Welcome to Married by Design. Change. There are so many opportunities that we have to change and the power that God gives us, but how will we change? That's what we'll be looking at on this episode of Married by Design. The purpose of the Married by Design podcast is to encourage couples to enjoy all that God has for them in their marriage relationship. Welcome back to Married by Design. We are in the middle of a long series entitled Handling Life's Issues. This series is all about the way that we can encourage you to think about change and the ways that God wants you to change and you want to change and the biblical way to really enact that change and to have hope that you can change. We've already looked at that. Though it may seem that change can be very daunting at times, we've begun to look at the idea that you can change, you can improve, you can have the marriage that God would want you to have. It's not always easy. We have to make the decisions to be focused not on ourselves, but on others and a lot of other things that we've already covered. So one thing that we want to do right is to give people the encouragement to change and the hope that they can change. And you can change, um, but not all change is necessarily good. Yeah, it's good. Take, for instance, aging. That's decay. As we age, though, we can decay or we can become more refined. That's right. That's the spirit. Um, Even like (laughs) our pets. If our pets, if we just go status quo with the pets and don't keep working with them, they can become undisciplined and unruly. Nothing, no living thing is ever unchanging. If if things, if a life thing doesn't change, then it becomes stagnant. So you're either stagnant or you're growing. Um, and the same is true spiritually and personally. Um, you're either stagnant or you're changing. Um, and we should want to change in a manner that is pleasing to God. Mm-hmm. But we always fall short of that. Um but it should be our goal to change and to grow in a way that pleases God and brings honor to Him. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same in- image from one degree of glory to another. Being transformed into His image. Not just changing behavior, but transformation. And this is the difference between man's way of changing and God's way of changing that we're looking at today. Man's way of stag- of of change, well, man's way of doing things either leads to stagnation or it's the idea of doing what comes naturally or that is what comes from the flesh. And um, also can lead to frustration too, right? Because right. it doesn't work ultimately. Um, or... We can change in God's way, which is a whole transformation. It's not just changing outward behavior, but it's a transformation of the whole person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about in the Old Testament how it says God wants to change the heart. Uh, God looks at the heart, and He knows that our change is driven by where our heart is and our understanding and our mind. And it's so important as we look at this idea of change and who we're influenced by, who we listen to, how that really drives our, our, the changes that take place in our life. We are so influenced by the culture, by the people around us, by our own thinking, or by God and His truth, and that will really depend and will will de- excuse me determine 
the either frustration we go through and not changing in a good way, ending up in a dead end in a relationship or really having the kind of relationship and life that God intends. And it all relates to really who we listen to in Colossians 2 verse 8. Paul writes in Colossians 2.8, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And there Paul is talking about who we're being influenced by, who we're listening to, and the impact of that. We don't want to follow just human tradition, our own uh, philosophy that we as, as humans create. Uh, but we want to really follow uh, Christ and his understanding, his instruction, his encouragement for our lives. And so we can find ourselves at times in a pivotal place where we have to choose which we're going to follow, human foolish ideas or God's wisdom. And that really will impact the kind of change that we make and whether we can really see progress in our own lives. For example, we've talked in the past about King Rehoboam. In 1 Kings 12, we see King Rehoboam um, being crowned king um, and taking over rule when King David passed away. Um, And Rehoboam uh, is looking at how now to lead these people that his Mm -hmm. father has led for decades. And so he asks um, the first group of men were his father's advisors. They were elderly men with much experience and wisdom, and he asked their advice on how to to lead the people. And then after they gave him an answer, he went to a group of men his own age, his peers, people he had grown up with, young, inexperienced, um, and they gave them their opinion. Well, King Rehoboam decided to go with the young men. Mm-hmm. Um, which was the foolish path. These these men didn't have experience. They were foolish. And the result of his following that foolish advice was um, the kingdom was torn apart. Mm-hmm. It was torn in two from, from then on. Um, yeah, that's just a powerful example. Another example of that pivotal moment of choice is in the book of Proverbs, really in the first eight or nine chapters, Solomon writes out to his son, and over and over, he gives that two choices, either to follow wisdom, God's ways, or to follow the foolishness, the ways of men, and what seems right in the moment. And so you see that over and over in those chapters, when you read through those first chapters, wisdom calling out for the young, uh, for people, for us to choose to listen to God's ways, to God's wisdom, and to see the blessing of that in the lives, in the lives of people. And and we've seen that in our own life. Uh, You know, the type of marriage we have is not perfect, but God has done a lot, and we enjoy a lot of blessings in our life because we try to make the choice to follow to follow God's way, and uh, we've seen a lot of blessing in that. So, so you have a choice to make in how to change: following man's way, the foolish way, or following God's way, um, the way of wisdom. Now, there's a big difference, though, in what the world would call wisdom and what God calls wisdom. Um, in 1 Corinthians 1.20, it says, Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? 
Where is the debater of the sage? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Um, So God's wisdom and the world's wisdom are sharply contrasted. To the world, God's wisdom seems foolish. But the reality is God's wisdom is the truth. And when you look at that and you uh, follow his wisdom, you will see how foolish the wisdom of the world is. Um, So we need to be very careful about going to unbelievers for advice on how to change, Um, going to counselors who are not biblical, who are not Christian, Their advice may sound wise to the unbelieving, but it's foolishness when it's compared to God's world. If you look at psychology over the last four or five decades or more, you'll see that it changes. Their advice, the worldly wisdom, man's wisdom given in psychology, changes constantly. But God's wisdom always stays the same. Um, psychology eventually comes back around to, um, uh, in some ways, lining up with Scripture every now and then, just by chance, because everything else seems to fail. But it keeps changing um, and keeps changing. Um, God's Word doesn't change. His advice, um, His direction to us never changes, and we can trust it. Yeah, and the the idea that the truth is always the truth. So sometimes, like you said, in man's philosophies, it will line up with Scripture because Scripture works. I mean, and so uh, at times it mirrors it, and it's going to be effective because it's consistent with what uh, God says in the Bible. So, So the rub is and the challenge is that for you going out, when you look at your own uh, changes you want to make, your life, the things you struggle with— the challenge is to come to a place of asking yourself honestly, as I've been working through these issues, trying to solve this, have I been following God's ways, what he says in scripture to do and how to address this? Or have I been following my own ways, my own ideas or things that I've heard on a podcast or something else that are not consistent with the word? And that's the real question. When you think about maybe somebody that you is struggling and you want to help, for you as a, a lay counselor to think in terms of the way they've been dealing with this, does this line up with God's scripture, or does it is it contrast? Does it conflict with God's word? And, and the challenging thing too is the idea that. Um, I think for a lot of people that are Christians, what we've said so far, they would say, amen, you know what, I agree with you. This is so right that we need to follow God's ways, and God's ways are best, and, and that's what we need to do. Um, but the reality is that even though that may be our Sunday school answer that we say, that we know we're supposed to say, in reality, a lot of times, people who are Christians and maybe have been Christians for a long time aren't really doing things God's way. Uh, Not really. A lot of the counseling that we do is really trying to help people to see that even though they think they're following God's ways, it's not actually God's ways, it's man's ways or their own ways, their own ways of solving problems. And we'll talk about some specifics of that. 
and how it really doesn't work. Um, and it's interesting as we've done, gone through counseling for so long that it, it's not just people that are new in the faith that don't know a lot about the Bible that are following man's ways. Uh, we've seen, I've seen in counseling people who have been Christians for a long time and yet they still are locked into the idea of doing things the way that they think is right, uh, and they keep trying that even though it doesn't work and it's not consistent with with God's Word. So our challenge for you as you think about areas in your life and as you think about encouraging others is to take a step back and say, now wait a minute, does is what I'm doing really lining up with Scripture or is it really in conflict with Scripture? Um, so we kind of want to lay out some specific examples of uh, situations in which people tend to follow man's ways rather than God's ways. So, Jan? So one of those is in dealing with anger. Um, world's ways is um, maybe to go scream into a pillow or go outside and yell or run or get a punching bag and really let all your anger out on that or write down your complaints and your anger um, and then burn it. Um, and the world's wisdom in looking at that is that venting is good because holding your anger in is harmful. It's unhealthy for you. And that's true. It is unhealthy for you to hold in your anger. But God's wisdom says to get rid of all anger mm-hmm. and wrath and malice and these things. That's something that, apart from the Holy Spirit working in us, we can't do. And yet, with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can not hold in the anger. We can be rid of it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's something God can do. And we'll talk about that in a whole uh, part of this whole series about how to have a different worldview about anger and why we get angry, as well as the idea of having self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. That, like you're saying, it's the opposite of venting and expressing anger is the idea of, of controlling it and keeping it uh, in, in check so that it doesn't get out of, out of check. You know, another thing that we see a lot of in the world is this idea of the secular, I, I call it the secular blind faith. It's the idea of, of in your life that you just have to think positive about things. They, most people don't have a view of God, of God's control, but they believe somehow that if you just think positive about things and you just, if you just think in terms of that everything's going to work out, that if you just keep a stiff upper lip, that you just anticipate things are going to get good, everything's going to work out. And, and as I said, that's kind of a blind, baseless faith because there's no one orchestrating it, nothing happening uh, to bring that about. But a biblical view, God's way is to understand that our trust is in God or anticipation of good things happening is not just a blind faith, but it's a faith in a person that we're trusting and that we're relying on. That's so key because this idea of thinking positive relates to counseling that as you think about the changes that you want to make in your own life or in your own marriage or help somebody else, you can't just encourage somebody to think positive and have a blind faith. Your your faith and your anticipation has to be because God is working, that God is going to accomplish something, that God is going to change your heart. 
And it's so much more that gives you such a good confidence because somebody's in control, God's in control, and God can help you. So that's really important. True. Um, another area we'll look at um, is marriage, mm-hmm. marriage and divorce. Um, the world's wisdom says that you deserve better. Um, you shouldn't have to be with someone who isn't making you happy, who isn't meeting your needs. Um, you should just take the easy road, find someone who loves you for who you are. Mm. Um, <clears throat> just disposable kind of relationships. This one isn't working out well. Well, just go get another one. Um, and that's the world's wisdom. Um, but God says that what God has joined together, don't separate, don't tear it apart. Um, God wants us to work on it. So much of Scripture is filled with the ways of how we are to treat each other, um, how we are to speak, how we are to encourage, um, how we are to meet others' needs and the attitudes we're to have. Um, God wants us to work on it because our marriage relationship is really a growing grounds for all of our relationships. Um, But marriage is sacred to God. The scripture Mm -hmm. said God God hates divorce. So we should be very serious about working on our marriage and not dumping our spouse because we don't feel like things are are making us happy enough. Um, We should hold the same view of marriage that God does and follow His wisdom and scripture to make it a marriage that is um, pleasing to him and um, honoring to him uh, to the world. so Well, and that's good. And, and something I'll kind of tack on to that that relates to it, and, and we've seen is this idea of throwing out the threat of divorce. Uh, this is really another area of man's way versus God's way is the threats that you can do in a relationship and a marriage, the things that you put out there because you're trying to manipulate your spouse, you're trying to pester them and do all these things to get them to change. That's, again, man's way versus God's way is praying for them, is encouraging them, uh, is letting the Holy Spirit work in them. And that's, again, a real contrast between man's way and God's way. Uh, You know, there's another area uh, regarding sexuality, and it's, you know, in our culture, it's all into, it seems like now there's so much more talk about hooking up and, and immoral sexual relationships uh, versus getting into a marriage relationship, being committed to one person. And uh, I think there's a lot of heartache that people have and a lot of people settle for a lot less in a relationship because it is so focused on the physical uh, that you kind of skip over and you miss all the intimacy that God intends in the marriage relationship that includes the sexual, but it includes so much more than that. And I think that that, again, is another example of man's way versus God's way. And related to that is the idea of man's way is, an, is a, a belief nowadays that uh, any lust is not wrong, that if you have sexual desires, that they should be fulfilled, that you should pursue them in any number of, of immoral ways, homosexuality, all these things that are going on today that you need to gratify, needed to fulfill those things. People even say, you know, God gave you a certain desire, therefore you need to pursue it. Well, God's way is that we have to exercise some self-control, that we are not to be 
driven by our desires. God has, has given us natural desires, but they need to be expressed in the right context of the marriage relationship. Uh, we can't say, you know, we anybody can do whatever they want as long as they're not hurting anybody. Uh, God calls us to sexual purity. God calls us to that integrity, one man and one woman. And for uh, those relationships outside the marriage relationship, again, they're ultimately damaging the relationship. They're settling for a lot less than what God would want. Um, and it, it, you know, it can even affect people that are uh, involved sexually before marriage. There's a, a lot of compromise in that that sets up for potential problems within the marriage relationship. So, and another area uh, to look at is that of forgiveness. Um, it, in the world's view, there are reasons to withhold forgiveness from other people to hold on to resentment. Um, sometimes, maybe in the world's view. The offender does not deserve forgiveness. Most of the time, I would say, the world would say an offender does not deserve forgiveness. In the world's view, the uh, the person offended should not let the the offender off the hook. They they should hold that against them. It's a punishment for the mm. offense, and it it's a deserved punishment. But God's word says that we are to forgive those who have offended us. And the reason Scripture gives for forgiving is because we've been forgiven. Mm-hmm. Um, God says that we're to forgive as we've been forgiven, that we forgive each other as God has forgiven us, and that's a pretty complete forgiveness. You look at the parable of the unforgiving servant, um, and we see how offended God is when we don't forgive those who, mm-hmm. who have harmed us, Because we have been forgiven so much by God, and we've been forgiven so completely. When He tells us to forgive, we have no right to withhold that from anybody. Um, And even in the Lord's Prayer, it's just assumed Jesus teaches us to pray that we, um, for God to forgive us as we have forgiven those who have Mm -hmm. sinned against us. Mm -hmm. So it's a serious thing. don't take the world's advice on withholding forgiveness because God commands forgiveness. That's good. That's another contrast. We'll just give you one more. It's like in, in a relationship, especially in the marriage relationship, the question is, how do you treat your spouse? Do you treat them harshly? Do you ignore them? Are you rude to them? It's so interesting because when you look at 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, love does not seek its own, it is not harsh, it is not rude. And when you flip that and you begin to ask the question, so often people in marriages are rude, they're harsh, they're impatient, all these things, that's man's way. That's man's way of of coping and punishing and trying to get the person to change and just their natural reaction. God's ways is the exact opposite of that. so we just laid out some examples, maybe this from others. And as you look at your own life or you look at your marriage, again, begin to ask the question, the way that I'm handling this, the way that I'm working on this, is it my way? Is it my thoughts, something that I've heard somewhere? Or does this really line up with God's word and what scripture has to say? So next week, we're going to be looking at how we know what God's ways are. And we're going to be looking at scripture 
And, and I don't want you to, we don't want you to pass that up. This is so important because we really have to solidify in our minds that God's ways are best. We, like I said, we say that, but we often don't practice that. So we've got to come back to why God's word is so reliable, why it's so good, why it is that we should follow it even when we want to do it our own way. So we want to encourage you to be here next week for that. So, you know, in this podcast, we we just want to encourage people and help them to grow in their faith and have the kind of marriage that they want to have and the kind of marriage that God wants them to have. So we'd encourage you to share this podcast with others, uh, to let them know about it. You can you can click on the share tab on the bottom and put it on Facebook or text it to somebody uh, email to somebody, put it on Instagram, any number of ways to let people know about the podcast. We encourage you to subscribe. Uh, maybe you have questions uh, about uh, the things that we've been sharing, and we'd love for you to hear from you at marriedbydesign01 at gmail.com. Let me pray, and then uh, we'll close this week. Father, I just pray that as each person is listening to this, God, as they examine their own heart, their own practice, and maybe even at times the way that they can encourage someone else that's struggling to really be able to think through this idea of the way that it's being handled. Is it God's ways or is it man's ways? Lord, help us to have discernment because we can so often do it our own way and think that we're following what God says when we're really not. And so I pray that you give us wisdom and the clarity of of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, like I said, next week, we're going to continue to look at this idea of man's ways versus God's ways and specifically look at the idea of God's word, how it is adequate, how it is able, and why, even though we think we may be doing things God's way or not, we need to come back to his word and really evaluate honestly things in our life. So that's what we'll be looking at next time on Married by Design. Married by Design.